Before the break, I was talking about the fact that there's this Instagram video circulating and it involves a a flight. It's a jazz aviation flight. Um, they are, I think, the discount smaller plane for Air Canada. They're, it's a Dash 8300 model, six-wheeled plane, two on each of the three landing gear uh, located left, right, and front of the plane. It's taking off in Montreal. It's forced to turn around Friday after literally someone who has a window seat is looking at the... Um, the landing gear. The landing gear. That's right. And it's fun. it's actually fun I've, when you're flying in one of these planes to, and I'm, you know, a, a bit of a aviation nerd. Obviously, I've not not as much as our next guest is, but I was I enjoy looking out and seeing that landing gear column as it as you take off and as you uh, land as well. The way it'll sort of go up, up inside of itself as it makes contact with the ground. It's a really cool seat to be able to go and watch that wheel. And obviously the person sitting in the seat was thinking the same thing because they whip out their phone, they're filming it, and then... One of the wheels falls off. And they're like, oh my gosh, it fell off. It fell off. And uh, the plane ended up turning around. Here to talk about how common or uncommon that is, uh, not to freak everybody out, Jock Williams, 640 Toronto aviation expert. Welcome to the show, Jock. Hi, Kelly. Good talking to you. So a Dash 8300 model, what would we be, where would we be flying to in, in a plane like that? Well, anywhere that's within about 600 miles. Generally, if you're going much further than that, you're going to be in a, in a jet-type aircraft. But a turboprop will get you to New York just as fast as, uh, as a, a jet will because of speed limits along the way and so on. So, so companies like Porter and Canadian, not Canadian, and Air Canada and so on, fly them on their shorter runs, and they're very successful airplanes. The, uh, the longer, thinner model that you see flying into a Toronto Billy Bishop all the time is is certainly the most successful the uh, the uh, Q400 but it's uh, there are lots of models of it and it's a wonderful safe airplane there's no question about it okay how safe is it when one of the wheels in your landing gear falls off how that often does this thing. happen well here's the deal with wheels first of all I've watched that uh, film over and over again and like Chris I sit at a window where I can watch the landing gear I just enjoy seeing what's going on if I'm not in the front seat flying it but but the big deal is this you notice that one wheel came off but nobody mentioned that the other wheel stayed on because they're two completely separate wheels for the very reason that redundancy breeds safety. You can lose any one of the double wheels on any one of the landing gear and it's simply a non-event. The plane lands, they put a new wheel on and away you go. The question is why did the wheel fall off? Well, to be honest, probably a mistake by one of the ground crew guys who was sent out probably to change a tire or you change the whole wheel and tire and got interrupted at the end of the job and didn't put the final cotter pin in that stops the nut that holds the wheel on from undoing itself. My question would be, why would you turn around if you're saying that you don't need both wheels to land? Well, you don't need both wheels to land, but you'd be better off to be at a full-service airport like Toronto Pearson than to be at a non-service airport like CFB Bagotville up mm. north of Quebec City. So it's just it's just for convenience. First of all, they can replace the wheel. They probably have 50 sitting there waiting to go in Toronto. They probably don't have any in Bagotville, so it's just a good thing. Besides which, there are more firemen and ambulances and all the rest available in case something more serious does happen. So you always go for a major airport if you know you're going to be doing an emergency landing. And a single wheel on one side constitutes a minor emergency. 
All right, so uh, you've got two wheels on each of the three landing gears. You've got it on the left, the right, and the front of the plane. Is there any, uh, say you lose two wheels on one of those portions of landing gear, is there uh, a better place to drop two wheels? (laughs) No, there's no place that's good to drop two wheels. But all that happens, and this is something that uh, a lot of pilots have encountered, I never have, but... But if you land on the stub that's left of the landing gear when two wheels fall off, it just grinds itself down some. Uh, you get a lot of sparks and so on. But if you're lucky at all and if you do it right, it really doesn't particularly even damage the aircraft. It makes a lot of noise. There's a lot of shuddering and shaking, not just not just in the passengers on the inside, but the whole airplane will be shuddering. But wouldn't shaking. the braking be if, I guess, the, you're not braking with wheels, you're braking by your engines? You you would use reverse thrust to brake right. the engines. And the plane, let's face it, it's not going to roll very far because one side isn't rolling, it's dragging. Right. But a runway just acts like a, how can I say, a grinding wheel, and it will it will grind down some metal, but you'll be fine with only one, with no gear, so to speak. Okay, pull the curtain back a little bit, Jock. Um, do pilots practice for things like uh, a wheel falling off uh, a plane's landing gear? Yes, we do. We practice for almost anything you could ever dream of and some things you could never dream of. What's the most challenging thing you've ever practiced for? Well, right after Sully, Sullenberger landed on the Hudson River, every training facility in the world began to give us double engine failures shortly after takeoff. And and it was both a training and a teaching exercise. The pilot had to figure out, well, how am I going to fly this thing? But planes will fly without any engines running. So you had to do that, but you also, you are going down when you have no engines running. There's no going back up. So you have to figure out how far you can glide, whether you can afford to turn back towards an airport or whether you have to do as uh, classically Sullenberger did, land it on a river or in a lake, or whether you're going to put it in among the high-rise apartment buildings. That's one of the things that you have to figure out ahead of time, because believe me, if you think your mind doesn't work terribly well when things are going just a little bit badly... Just imagine when you know that in your future, about 40 seconds away, is a crash landing in some location. All you get to do is pick where it is. I just was reading here about the uh, the Max Jets. Uh, Boeing has uncovered another potential design flaw with the 737 uh. um, Max. And this was uh, this is just a headline that I've, I've just grabbed now. Um, is it over for Boeing? I mean, at least for this Max? Well, I don't think you'll see the Max flying as the Max 7 or Max 8 or anything else. I think that they'll change the name entirely and they'll try to get the public's mind off. Maybe they'll even stop this series of seven numbered and named aircraft because they've just about reached the end. I think we're up to 787 now, 797. But I think, I mean, there's no question in my mind that the Boeing commercial aircraft company will last and uh, there'll be no problem with that. They'll lose a few billion dollars. In fact, they've already lost a few billion dollars. But the fact is they have sold 5,000 of these airplanes at $100 million plus each. Do the math. You know, a couple of billion here and there, it doesn't really matter that much. They're going to be fine, and the plane is fine. The biggest thing that the flying public has to become aware of is that there was never anything wrong with the 737. There was perhaps a minor glitch. I I know this minor glitch cost 300 and some odd lives, but there was a minor glitch with one small system, which was designed to work only in the event of one 
unthinkable event occurring, but it just happened to occur twice in about six months. Well, we're finding out now that, uh, and this is according to uh, something that was reported in the Sunday uh, New York Times. Yeah. The comment. The- <laughs> Wait for it, Jock, it's coming. Uh, Boeing informed the FAA last month that it's looking into whether two sections of wiring that control the tail of the plane are too close together and could cause a short circuit and potentially a crash if pilots didn't react appropriately. With the case of the Boeing uh, 737 MAXs, are they depending too much on pilots' ability no, I don't think so. What they're what they're referring to, incidentally, is when you build an airplane, you try to make it what we call redundant. That is, if you have a hydraulic system that raises and lowers the landing gear, you have not one but two. So if one fails, it doesn't matter. Similarly, with the electronic controls going back to, to control the horizontal tail, if they have wires that are leading to some place in the airplane, that you try to keep the wires for any given system separate so that the one half of the of the control wires would run down the left-hand side of the fuselage, the body of the plane, and the other half would run down the right-hand side. So that if something goes dreadfully wrong, if let's say that the for some reason the wires burn, that the one wire burning doesn't remove the only other wire you've got that will control the same system. So that's called a redundant system, that the system should like be the t- It's like the tires. Exactly. Well, there's one problem. Eventually, you have to reach the end destination of the electrical message that's being sent by these wires, and that the end destination is altogether back up in the tail. So if somebody wanted to say, well, these wires are too close together, that's that's a reasonable point if you're midway along the fuselage. But when you get to the pointy tail end of the airplane, they have to come together. Now, we, we design airplanes for wartime purposes. We try to separate the systems as far apart as we can. But the fact is we recognize that eventually they got to get where they're going. And, and whoever wrote this story or whatever mm-hmm. obviously has never been assigned the, the task of designing an airplane that you can keep the, the system separated. You can do it to some extent. But at the end, they got to go where they're supposed to be delivering the message. That's the way it works. All right. Well, we appreciate you being on the show and delivering your message today, Jock. Have a great day. I love the challenge. All right. Happy New Year.